You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is Stephanie. And in this episode, we are discussing episode three of season five of Orphan Black, Beneath Her Heart. The titles have been so nice and short this season, Chris, and easy to say. I I know. I've got to say, this title threw me off. I thought this episode was going to be centered a little differently than it was. Yeah? What, what did you expect from the title? Uh, well, just because in the context of the poem, Beneath Her Heart specifically talked about... Mothers. Like, yes. Mothers and children and stuff. Which was an aspect of the episode, but not more so than the past two episodes. So you expected maybe it'd be more centered on Helena, perhaps? Yes. Ah. Well, in fact, this was a very Allison-centric episode, and before we get to discussion, spoiler alert for this podcast episode, we will be discussing the details of Beneath Her Heart, but there shouldn't be any spoilers for future episodes. So what did you think of Beneath Her Heart, Chris? I've only watched it once so far. I thought it was a good episode, though. I don't know that I have particularly strong feelings one way or the other yet. Because it's, it's like the standard, you know, and here's our Allison episode for the season <laughs> that takes place at a big community event. <laughs> well, I felt like it, it was and it wasn't the standard Allison episode, because while it was Allison-centric, it was far less comedic than I feel like most Allison-centric episodes are. Like, the tone was much more somber, I think, than most Allison-centric episodes are, which I think right. is, is good. I did have that worry when it became clear that it was going to be Allison-focused, like, oh, we just had this horrible thing happen in the previous episode. I don't know that I'm really up for a broad kind of dark comedy screwball episode. But it wasn't. It was a lot more t – uh, the tone was a lot more more somber, I think. It was. But it, it still served that standard purpose of an Allison episode where I think there's some really bad things that happen, but also – Overall, it's a little bit lighter in tone, which I think was necessary following last week. I agree. I did like this episode. I, I thought it was a nice highlight of Allison's journey. You know, this is the last season, and I don't think that it's inappropriate to highlight how these characters have grown and changed over the, the past few seasons. And I think, you know, that here was the, that episode for Allison. However, it, it did feel, hmm, what's the word? I don't know. Like, I, I felt like it didn't advance a season-long plot very much. So in a way, it kind of felt like, guys, we've only got a few episodes left. Uh, but I didn't dislike it. It's just, uh, it kind of felt like, I, I wish we had gotten a bit more in regards to what the season-long pl plot line might look like. I'm actually very curious because there was, you know, on, on BBC America, they air during some of the commercial breaks, they'll have like a little behind the scenes thing mm -hmm. where they'll talk to the actors and writers and producers and whatnot. And there was a, a bit with Graham Manson where he was talking about how this is not only highlighting Allison, but also setting up for the rest of the season. Like he specifically mentioned that. So... I don't know. I, I kind of wonder if it mostly means with her little conversation with Donnie? The ending conversation where she says she needs to go find herself right. elsewhere? Yes. Or uh, outside of all of this or something that she... Yeah. I don't know. Because I did feel like we got at least 
follow-up, if not resolution, on a big theme, a big continuing storyline that has been, you know, growing throughout the seasons. The skeletons that are literally in the Hendrix's garage and figuratively in their in their attic, right? Because we, we had a revisit to what happened between Allison and Ainsley. We had Art and Detective Anger digging up the bodies in the garage. So it did feel like we they were approaching some like, okay, we know we have these story threads kind of dangling and we should revisit them at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it is one of those things, like it's it's constantly been this looming threat, right? There are murders that the Hendrixes are either guilty of or complicit in. Not not just murders, but deaths, let's yes. say. Because Ainsley wasn't a murder, but she Allison was essentially complicit in her death. I, maybe legally that'd be co- considered a manslaughter more than a murder, but but sure. Well, I that's see, what I'm saying. Like, getting, yeah, it's it's not murder, but I still think I still think the word complicit. Oh yeah, applies right because oh, yeah. she could have stopped it, mm-hmm. and she didn't. Anyway, but yeah, it is nice to sort of nice is maybe not the right word. <laughs> It's so hard to talk about Orphan Black sometimes. (laughs) It is, story-wise, good that those things have been revealed, shall we say, or or dealt with in some manner where it feels like less of, oh, what's the the phrase where something is looming over, like a, um, oh, this is not a great time to not be able to remember words, Chris. I'm I'm trying to scroll through my head. As a cat owner, I'm thinking clinger, which is a thing you call the poo that gets stuck on your cat's bum. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm thinking more of what's what's the thing with like the the sharp object that is hovering over the there's a phrase for that. Sh- but I I have no idea. <laughs> Why don't you just use the phrase dangling plot thread and we'll move on? <laughs> Uh, sure. That doesn't really convey the danger involved, but sure. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, like a guillotine hanging over your head? What is, I think I know what you're getting at now, but I can't remember the expression. I'm sorry. I, I don't think it's a guillotine, but yes. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's all I ask for. <laughs> but this has been a, a looming threat for the Hendrix family, so it's it's good that it's being dealt with in some manner. How did you feel about that final confrontation between Allison and Rachel and sort of how they perhaps, again, I'm going to at this point just call it, call it follow up rather than resolution, but how the bodies in the garage were dealt with in regards to that conversation with Allison and Rachel? I have mixed feelings about it because it does seem a little too pat, mm-hmm. but... I felt like it was a a good way of resolving it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that scene was really kind of excellent. Because first of all, have we seen Rachel and Allison interact directly before? No, I don't think so. Because they say... Because I don't think Allison's ever been to Dyad, has she? I don't think she has. So I was like, this is weird. Yeah. (laughs) It's weird and I like it. Kind of like Delphine showing up at Mrs. S's house. It's like, what are you doing here? You don't quite fit, but I like this. This could be good. Right. It seems like we're kind of getting a lot of that this season. Or maybe it just feels that way to me. 
where they're kind of like, okay, it's our last opportunity to do these things. Let's do them all. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I too felt like the resolution of Allison using Leaky and, and Rudy's bodies in the garage is like, blackmail to Rachel. It did feel a bit neat. However, what she says, it makes sense. You know, if if suddenly Dr. Leakey's body is found, you know, it, it, it would cause a lot of tension to be focused back on Dyad and the illusion again, which could be not exactly what they want. So it's not that it didn't it didn't make sense what Allison was saying, but it, it did feel a bit, uh, uh, yeah, neat, Pat. That's a good way of saying it. However, I agree with you. I thought that was a really good scene. I really enjoyed seeing that confrontation between Allison and Rachel. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's smart on Allison's part because she's right. You know, the there's a threat from Dyad. There's a threat from the police. Mm-hmm. But the threat from Dyad isn't really going to go away. And if they're going to find out anyway, this is a smart play. Yeah. So, good job, Allison. It did make me wonder, though, how or if they intervened when Beth died. Because I could also see where them discovering Leaky, bad for Dyad, but them discovering a caster, also not great, potentially. But, you know, then it made me think about the fact that, you know, Beth's body was in police custody. We saw that. She was in the morgue. But I don't know. I guess maybe in that case they wouldn't have tried to intervene because she was known to police. Yeah, I don't know. Plus, the police seemed to assume it was Sarah for a while. That's I don't true. know. Yeah. And, like, at the time, Sarah was unknown to Dyad. That's true. Yeah. Or unknown as Sarah, shall mm-hmm. we say? Anyway, that's a bit of a sidebar. I just was thinking about that after the episode aired. Something that's not a sidebar, and I had a big question about, where the heck did Allison get Leaky's head? Am I misremembering that Kasima gave it back to her? Because <laughs> last I remember, Kasima had it. it. You know, we see that in the in the previous on Orphan Black montage. They reminded us of Kasima having Leaky's head so that she could see if he had, like, a little Magabot in there and things like that. So where did the head come from? Well, it, it was transported to them uh, from Allison in the little cooler bag that Allison had it in this episode. Right. So I am assuming that she just went back to Hell Wizard and Scott and said, hey, you guys still have that head? Because I need it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I figured is like, okay, I guess we're supposed to assume that they still had it in the lab in the comic book store. And that's where she got it from. Either that or at the lab, they're like, we don't really have a place to store this. Ah. Hey, Allison, you've got a giant freezer in your garage. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> but then she wouldn't have been able to get it because Art and Anger were in her garage. That's a good point. It was not in the freezer. That is a good point. And speaking of Art and Anger being in the garage, I was so relieved that Art did not end up killing Anger. I did not want that for him at all. Yeah. Yeah. I could understand. I was surprised that he was going to do that. I actually could understand it because they're threatening his daughter. Like the threat is more direct to him now. I I don't know ultimately that he would have pulled the trigger, but I could understand him being tempted by the situation. Oh, sure. Yeah. I can understand the temptation too. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, I'm not sure that's going to help. Yeah. Because clearly anger is part of this bigger thing. So I don't think the threat to his daughter is going to end if he ends anger. 
I agree. Because anger is essentially a replacement for Duco. So, you know, it's this idea you cut off the head of the Hydra, there's still a bunch of others to deal with. So I don't think... Stupid Hydra. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, should not have brought it up. But (laughs) (laughs) but I I think that, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's easy to see why Art was tempted, but ultimately I don't think it would have been a very good way of dealing with the situation. Mm-hmm. Though it might have bought Allison and Donnie some time. Like, he could have tried to dispose of the bodies. So it might have helped in that regard if if Allison didn't have the, the play that she was going to make. Uh, but it wouldn't help him. Yeah. So what did you think of the flashbacks in this episode? I was not expecting more flashbacks. I wasn't really either, but I, I kind of started to wonder because, like, the little previously on thing. Mm-hmm. was going like all the way back to the very beginning yeah and i'm like what is happening in this episode that they need to show all this stuff yeah but but then they start pre-series and i was like oh this is very entertaining to me because <laughs> i i mean i wasn't expecting it and it was kind of unexpectedly delightful and uh here we've got that i think in, in a previous episode we had talked about i wonder what Allison and Kasima's first meeting was like. And we got to see it now. And uh, it is not what I expected. <laughs> I definitely did not, in my head, did not assume that Allison would have been high on mushrooms at the moment. <laughs> that, nope. that was a surprise. Yeah. Although her reaction to Kasima was kind of what I was expecting, but perhaps more overtly so, just because she was high and had no... What's the word I'm... I'm losing all my words today. Filter? There you go. That'll work. Because <laughs> she was. She was like, you have a nose ring. Because <laughs> I then, think part of our discussion before it was like, I wonder if meeting Kasima just like blew Allison's mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, her mind was already blown, it turns out. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm often skeptical about flashbacks just because I often feel like they... Are, they don't really show us anything new. And I didn't feel necessarily that this, that these flashbacks gave us new information, but I, I did enjoy them. I thought that, especially in the context of this episode where, where we're really talking about how Allison has, you know, where she started and where she ends up at the end of this episode, I, I thought they were nice to have in there. Right. Sort of extra moments of Allison's self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, and I think that was that was the whole point of this episode, right? We have Allison who has so very deliberately kept her life, her like her Bailey Downs life, as 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 normal as possible, trying to keep that separate from all of the clone business. It, it's not that she hasn't been involved in the clone project storylines. She definitely has a stake in the clone project storylines. However, she's always had sort of her own little thing going on. But this felt very deliberately in this episode where she's taking that step into the clone project storyline in a very deliberate way. Like, okay, I'm here now. I'm going to be useful. I'm part of this. Right. And again, with the the timing of this episode, it, that feels appropriate to me because MK has just essentially died for them. Yeah. So now Allison's kind of like, okay, I, I have to step up my game a little bit here because... These people who I didn't know existed but are now my family, they are in very real danger, and I have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think because when Beth died, 
Allison was still so in denial, it was perhaps easier for her to keep ignoring what was what was happening in regards to the clone stuff. But now that she, we've seen her make progress over the seasons, right? Like she's become more and more attached to and close with and can empathize with the other clones, especially Sarah and Kasima. You know, this this death hit her in a more personal way. Right. And I think to some extent, too, I mean, Beth's death, as far as Allison knew, wasn't directly connected to the greater conspiracy going on. It was... That's a good point. The way they talked about it before, Allison kind of thought that, like, it just got to Beth and Beth couldn't handle it anymore, which I think it's a completely reasonable attitude then to be like, okay, if this got to her and she couldn't handle it, I need to step back. Yeah. And that wasn't a completely inaccurate understanding of what happened to Beth, but obviously we have more information now that right that the clones don't have necessarily. Yep. But it was kind of fun. I do really like it when TV shows bring back characters that maybe played a small role in a previous season and, you know, bring them back again. So it was kind of fun to see see Chad and Ramon again. And I, I did enjoy seeing Kasima in her red coat once more. I miss that coat. <laughs> really? Do you? I've I never do. heard that before. I do. <laughs> yes, I also enjoyed seeing Chad and Ramon again. I saw Ramon in the preview for this episode, so I was expecting him, but I wasn't really expecting Chad. Mm. I was like, oh, hey, it's Chad. Chad needs to shave. Yeah, Chad does need to shave. I was going to say, Chad didn't look great, but that's not unreasonable. He looked reasonably like a grieving, trying to move on with his life type of guy. So it was good to see him with his kids. And I thought that the exchange that he had with Allison when they were by themselves and he was offering her comfort was was very sweet. Yes. And it's like, hey, it it does seem like Chad's really trying to be a better person, mm-hmm. which is nice. Mm-hmm. But their conversation, as well as when Allison finally confronts the jeering crowd when, when Donnie collapses on stage, it made me think back to that whole situation with Ainsley. Because Allison tells the crowd, you know, oh, I've I've atoned for my sins. And Chad offers her some, I don't know, some maybe permission to move on with her life a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me kind of step back and reflect, like, okay, how do I feel about Allison? And do I think she's atoned for her sins? And what do I think about what happened with Ainsley? And and I don't know. I feel like, you know, as always, it's it's kind of complicated feelings when it comes to Allison for me because I like her. I want her to be I, – I wish good things for Allison, but I also know that she's done some horrible things. And right. But like thinking back to that situation with Ainsley, like I can't imagine the type of like stress and worry she was under thinking this person she had trusted was spying on her and giving all this personal information to a company who had control over her and her life in a way that was very invasive. So it's difficult to imagine what I might do in that situation. And I do feel like were Allison in that sort of situation now she might make a different choice, though maybe not, given how she reacts to Nona in this episode. I don't know. But I, I do think that we have seen some growth and change in Allison over the seasons. Right. But but remember, she actually didn't do that to Nona. I know. Granted, I, I don't know that she would have stopped herself without outside intervention, mm-hmm. but I, I do think there's demonstration of Allison trying to be better. 
Mm-hmm. And that's something we've seen over the seasons is, you know, Allison, Allison hit rock bottom and then was kind of like, okay, I need to work on myself. And, and I feel like she has. She's not been perfect, but who has? I was going to say, I feel like it's realistic that we see her struggle with these darker impulses that she has. Like, in this episode, we see her relapse and, you know, she takes one of her, her pills that she finds hidden. We see her drinking with Ramon. She smokes a little weed. But it didn't become as dire as I feared it might be when we first saw her take that pill. Yeah. When it started, I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this because mm-hmm. this could get real bad. I mean, ultimately, but it didn't. no, so. ultimately, she's just jumping in a bouncy house high on marijuana, which was pretty entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to the bouncing hand. <laughs> and and I do think that, I don't know, I feel like the writers have to walk a fine line because, you know, d- chemical dependency is something a lot of people struggle with. It's a serious thing. But it, I think it's also realistic that Allison wasn't going to be able to just go cold turkey and like never fall back on those ever again so i think it was reasonable to see her you know when she's feeling under stress to turn back to those things that she used to Uh, but you know i i guess for me i I don't get to have a final opinion maybe if people who have dealt more with with drug abuse and chemical dependency might be able to or would be able to more definitely say oh this felt more too lighthearted or something like that. But I am I am glad that it didn't seem like they were starting Allison down another spiral. I don't I don't get that impression at least. Right. I I did get really nervous for a second though when Donnie drank that. Mm. Cuz I was kind of like that it was a lot of pills she put in there. It was. I thought there was going to be much more serious of an outcome from Donnie doing that than there was. Me too. Especially when he just hit the floor. I'm just kind of like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. I had a moment where I, I seriously wondered if they were going to kill off Donnie. Mm. It was a lot of pills. It was a lot of pills. And I I kind of wondered if, if they were going to have to do more of a medical intervention. I didn't think they were necessarily, necessarily going to kill off Donnie, but I thought there was going to have to be a more serious medical intervention than there was. I mean, I didn't think they were necessarily going to, but it was like, this is this is a real possibility now. Mm-hmm. I got nervous. I yeah, got real I did nervous. Too. I did too. Okay, so speaking of Ramon, since okay. you brought up Ramon, okay, as as you do, because I like Ramon. I think he's adorable. Like he's a little jerk. I don't think he's a great person, but I find him pretty adorable and entertaining. He's like an adorable twerp. He is. But do we think he's telling the truth? I'm still super skeptical. I I think because what? How would he have benefited from? I'm I'm super skeptical. I I think that he's not telling the truth in regards to the drugs. I think he probably stole them from Kellerman. It seems likely. Although it's like I don't know because what he says could be true. Mm-hmm. But I don't know because wasn't the whole thing he was gonna take the money that Allison gave him for it and go to college or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something Which like that. Seems like it didn't happen. So I don't know. It's probably not really relevant, but I wonder. I'm also wondering what's going to happen with Allison now, because she has that concluding scene with Donnie where she says she has to kind of go off and kind of 
collect herself. She says she's going to go see her kids. So we did get a reference. I forgot her kids were supposed to be at her mother. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they sent them away. <laughs> so she's going to well, go see the, her kids. There was the scene last episode with with Allison checking the her voicemail. voice messages. Mm-hmm. So I just because we haven't seen them in so long, I kind of just forgot. And they had sort of phased out showing the kids pretty early in the series, probably because they were growing so fast. <laughs> I was gonna say her son's probably taller than she is now. Yeah, so yeah. But anyway, she references going to see her kids and then perhaps going somewhere else, which feels a little strange because now it feels like we have two of our main clones, you know, going away from the action. Kasima's like, I, you know, revival, but that's still a place where stuff is happening pertinent to the main storyline. But I don't know. I'm kind of curious why they felt the need to send Allison off like that and what's going to come of that. Yeah. And I just I have a lot of questions because I'm like, OK, she says outside of all of this, but what does all of this mean? Because is she going off completely on her own? Is she going to go off on some sort of Sestra road trip with Sarah or something? Mm. I mean, that doesn't sound like what it's going to be, but it's where my mind went. Yeah. Especially since this episode made a big point of Allison sort of not being one of the others, right? Because, you know, Beth had her cop skills and Kasima had her science skills and Sarah really seems to be able to handle herself. And so they they sort of made a big deal of questioning Allison's place within the group. Yeah, because in the first season, she asserts that her place is that she's the money, like she provides the finances, but we haven't seen her really have to play that role since the first season. Right. And since the episode ended with her really doing something actively for the clones, I'm just kind of like, is that what's going to happen after this? Is is that going to be her journey? Or is she completely separating? I don't know. I'm interested to find out because it did feel a little strange to me that one of her big moments is at the the failed highlander dancing routine (laughs) she asserts to the crowd you know she's part of a sisterhood that they'll never understand and then she's leaving it kind of felt like wait a minute (laughs) sisterhood's over here are you going over there i'm confused so I, I'm not entirely sure what to think of of sending Allison away, unless she's going to go connect with her cloneness and her clone sisters more in some in some fashion. Yeah, and I did think that the the Allison and Donnie duet at the very end was very sweet. It was. Oh, who knew that Donnie could play the mandolin? I didn't. <laughs> I think that's been hanging on the wall in their basement though for quite a while, hasn't it? Maybe Christian Brune was like picking it up between. <laughs> It's like I'm gonna learn this thing. <laughs> I don't Could know. Be. It's it's possible. I haven't I haven't really paid that much attention to their wall decor, but <laughs> but it, it was. I, just, I feel like I've seen it before in there, so I don't know. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just haven't noticed before. But I I did think that was very touching. The them singing together. Mm-hmm. It felt very them. It did. Though I I have such serious questions about how it came to be that Donnie ran away from the hospital and ended up back home. It felt like I wanted some more follow-up on what transpired in the premiere. They do give some, you know, lip service to, like, oh, you deserted me in the woods. And he's like, no, I didn't. But they don't really go back to that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if he came back with, like, I had to take Helena to the hospital, 
then all would be forgiven. Mm. Maybe? I don't know. Because I did seriously wonder at the end of last episode, where is he going to go? Because after seeing Allison get kidnapped, me personally, I wouldn't think, oh, it's a really good idea for me to go home. (laughs) Because it seemed like he wasn't getting communication from folks, like on purpose, because they were he was trying to stay off the radar. So I don't know. But I guess I guess maybe that's the only thing Donnie could think of was, well, I'll go check on the house. And maybe if he saw Alice in there and things seemed to be relatively normal, he felt it was okay to go inside. But that is just me personally, the last place I would have gone. But I think I speculated last episode that this is what he would do. (laughs) You did. You were right. It just seems so (laughs) illogical to me. Uh, have you met Donnie? Yeah, I have in fact not met Donnie, Chris. We've been hoping this. <laughs> Fictional character. <laughs> Let me rephrase to to satisfy your pedantic nature. <laughs> Are you familiar with Donnie? <laughs> I am familiar with Donnie. He's not the best at handling high stress situations. Well, let's move on to talk about Kira. Oh, Kira. I'm so worried. And I'm so... That made me shake my fist when the episode got to the end, and we didn't go back to Kira. We see her pulling a pocket knife out of a drawer and considering it, and then we don't see her again. And I, That is not fair, episode. It's not fair. Yeah, once we got about two minutes from the end of the episode, I'm kind of like, Wait a second, I don't think they followed up on that yet. (laughs) They did not! And they never did. I'm hoping, well, I shouldn't say I'm hoping. I feel pretty confident that means that she didn't do anything too terrible. But, oh my gosh, it just makes me so anxious. I am perhaps slightly less anxious because I watched the promo for next week's episode. Because they air it right after the episode. So I saw it. So I have a strong suspicion they of of what happened okay uh, <laughs> but i think we're we are to assume that because of her conversation with rachel kira is interested in trying out exploring her potential regenerative abilities with said pocket knife yeah as soon as she pulled that knife out i, I just I, I got super nervous and i'm just kinda like something is either going to happen to kira or that poor mouse Mm. Oh, the p- I didn't even consider the mouse. Thanks a lot, Chris. I know. Uh, but speaking of that poor mouse, I did do some research into spiny mice. Spiny mice. Spiny mice. <laughs> I was gonna say sp- spiny mouses. Spiny mice. I don't know which is correct. Spouty mice. <laughs> <laughs> I researched that animal. I have. I have learned they are called spiny mice because they have rigid hairs on their back, similar to a hedgehog. It didn't sound like they were quite as pointy as hedgehog quills, but similar. And the the spiny mice could be of interest to Neolution because of the ability it has to regenerate tissue, which Rachel was talking about. That was actually helpful to me because the way that she phrased it on the show, it's like, oh, she can, they can regrow their own skin. Like, big deal. So can I, Rachel. It's called healing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but she went on to talk about like a more it sounded more dire than than what humans can do it is 
similar to newts and lizards who can regrow tails. So it'd be like me regrowing my arm. So, okay, fair, spiny mice. I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, the way she was talking about it, it's like something that a human would need like a tissue graft for. They could just regenerate. I saw a very upsetting picture of a mouse that had shed part of its, its skin it was fine. The mouse was doing fine. It was regrowing its tissue like the spiny mice can, but it, it was still upsetting. And so it can regenerate tissue. And then it could also possibly be of interest to Neolution because of the fact that the most recent research that came out about spiny mice was that their menstrual cycle is very similar to humans. So it could be a potentially very good subject for testing drugs related to human reproductive systems and and human menstrual cycle. So given infertility is something that Rachel has been very interested in in the past in regards to the clones, it could be something that would be of interest to her. Hmm. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. I did also in my research discover that the way that Kira was picking up the mouse, not good. Do not pick up a spiny mouse like that. They will lose their tail and potentially not grow it back. And I, I was wondering about that as she was, because, anyway. So yeah, do not pick up spiny mice that way. Also, they do better with buddies. So hopefully Kira might get her spiny mouse a buddy. I do wonder if if the mouse they were using was not an actual spiny mouse, but... I feel pr- pretty certain it probably wasn't. Yeah. There weren't any mouse close-ups, so I don't think it really mattered that much. No, it, it was a correct color to stand in for a spiny mouse if it was, in fact, not a spiny mouse. But I agree. I feel like it's unlikely it was a spiny mouse. It's probably just a, a typical mouse. And I would think that could get difficult if it just starts, like, shedding. Shedding its, shedding its skin and <laughs> as, as a Skin and tails and such. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we did get to see a glimpse of what happened, I guess, between Rachel and, and Kira. And Rachel, from what we saw at least, seems to be honoring her promise not to do invasive tests of Kira. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I'm just kind of like, well, why does she need to spend so much time with her if all she's going to do is trim her nails? Because Rachel's trying to manipulate her. We all know it. Probably. Ugh. So anxious. And why is Kira not telling Sarah and Mrs. S what's going on? I don't I don't understand. I, it's probably just Kira wanting to assert her autonomy and having to do with that. But it, it's just, why is she making Sarah so nervous? It's just... Why? I was going to say, it's like, you guys have been keeping secrets from me. Now it's my term. It, it's it's Kira's time to shine. <laughs> I think I said term instead of turn, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but I don't like it, Kira being all secretive. I don't really like it when anybody is all secretive, but especially Kira, because I don't want anything bad to happen to her. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know how to feel about it, because we've always... We've always said, because I think based on what we've seen, Kira has had good judgment regarding the clones, probably having to do with that apparent psychic connection. So I don't know what this means now, if she's seemingly trusting Rachel, unless she's also pulling a keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer thing. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I actually was... I thought for a second when Kira was going over to the drawer where she ultimately got the pocket knife, I actually was thinking momentarily that they were about to reveal that she had done something sneaky when she was with Rachel and she was maybe acting as a bit of a double agent in that regard Hmm. when she was going to visit Rachel. That's not what they revealed. And that's not 
what they've given us the sense of so far. Because they have Kara tell Rachel, like, people tell me not to trust you. Right. But we don't really get a concluding, should Kira be trusting Rachel in this episode? Right. I have a feeling they're going to draw that out as much as they can. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So speaking of Rachel, I felt like in this episode she was back to more of her usual role. Yes, but maybe less so. A little less sinister? Yeah. I felt, like, slightly less threatened by her. Mm-hmm. But in the first two episodes, it felt like they really were trying to tamp down her more aggressive, villainous side that we've seen in the past. Right. But it felt more more in the forefront in this episode. She didn't actually hurt anybody physically or order anybody hurt physically, but... You know, we see her very actively trying to manipulate people and blackmail people, and she tells Allison that she wants to strangle her, though she doesn't. So, you know, inner peace is a journey (laughs) for Rachel. (laughs) I actually thought Allison's comeback was pretty good. She's like, well, Mm -hmm. it's mutual. So it did feel like Rachel was a little more back to normal here, but yeah, I agree. Less villainous, less sinister than she has been. I still feel like she is genuinely being kind to Kira. I I did not... While she might have other motives, I did feel like her kindness she was showing to Kira was genuine. Yeah. Actually, I've kind of always felt like her kindness to Kira is genuine. That's fair. Even even back in season two when she was, you know... Kidnapping Essentially keeping her hostage. Mm Mm-hmm. She was trying, I think, to, to be kind to her. I mean, she was... Utterly horrible to Sarah, don't get me wrong, but but not towards Kira. I think that's fair. Uh, but now, in this season, she feels warmer, at least. Like, she's able to be warmer to Kira than she was back in season two. Mm-hmm. Of course, she's also spent some time with Charlotte now, too. That's a good point. She's had more contact, perhaps, with children. Yes. That was always an interesting dynamic between the two of them, between Rachel and Charlotte. She mm-hmm. was a, kind of a big sister type figure to her, strangely. Right. I mean, she kind of is. Oh, yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> kind of her sister, kind of her mother. Anyway. It's very complicated. It, it is complicated. Speaking of complicated, Mrs. S. <laughs> <sighs> Mrs. S. She does allude to them having allies. And and then <laughs> all of fandom goes mentally, mentally screams, Delphine! Exactly. I mean, Delphine! (laughs) (laughs) I knew they weren't going to give us an immediate answer what those two are up to, but I want to know what are they up to (laughs) so badly. They're sharing hair care tips. Oh, that is a good point. That is a good point. Hair care and knitwear. (laughs) And knitwear. I was going to say that she also probably loaned her a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) It was nice seeing Mrs. S., Back in her house, back interacting with Kara, I thought that was a very, it was just a very sweet scene to me. It was nice to see Kara kind of back in her room and maybe having a bit more of a normal home. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't much from, I I think they all kind of fit under the good hair family mantle. (laughs) Mrs. S, Kara, Felix, Sarah, Cal. It's true. I think it all, I think it all works. There wasn't a whole lot from the Good Hair family in this episode, but I, I did enjoy the little bit that we did get to see with Sarah and Felix. It was nice to see them kind of have like a sibling bonding scene. 
even if it was a little awkward because of the partial nudity. <laughs> but really, does it feel like a season of Orphan Black without Felix's bum? I, I kind of feel like we would miss it if it didn't happen. It's true. I recently rewatched season four, so I couldn't remember if he'd already been bums out in this <laughs> season or not, because he sure was in season four. Yes, this was the first glimpse of Felix Bum in this episode. It was just some side bum. It wasn't like full on Felix Bum. Uh, but I still feel like the season has arrived. <laughs> We've seen <laughs> Felix's bum. <laughs> some some tasteful side bum. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like the second episode of the first three where Sarah wasn't really the main storyline. Yeah, so. that's actually kind of got me wondering if that's going to be the way of this season. Since mm -hmm. it is the last season, I wouldn't be surprised or I wouldn't be disappointed either if we get more episodes more heavily focused on the other main members of Clone Club. Yeah, that would be nice. Not that I have anything against Sarah, but she's no. just been dri driving the main plot line for so much of the series. It would be nice to have change it up a little bit. Maybe have some of the other clones take the driver's wheel for more of the episodes in this season. Yep. I wonder if we'll get a Helena episode. Hmm. Because we've never really had that type of episode, have we? Not really. I think maybe the closest we've gotten is in season three. I don't know. Mm, when she was being held captive in the right. army base? Mm. Yeah. I yeah. don't know that those episodes necessarily focused on Helena more heavily, but... I don't know. Maybe it's just that that storyline stands out in my mind more. Well, and I think because her storyline has focused so much on her relationship with Sarah, often if it's a Helena-heavy episode, it's also a Sarah-focused episode because right. of that, their interconnection. I don't know. I might be – I might change my mind where I had to go back and watch with sort of that lens, but it, it doesn't feel like we've had a Helena episode quite the way that we've had – especially Allison episodes, because there's been episodes where it's just like, this is Allison's show. You know, she's got yep. the main storyline and she's in charge. And I don't, I don't feel off the top of my head that I can remember an episode where it felt that way with Helena. Right. But speaking of Helena, we get a glimpse of her at the end of this episode, surprisingly hiding out in a convent. I'm guessing not the convent she was raised in. That didn't sound like a pleasant place. No, but I mean, this this kind of makes sense to me. Once they revealed it, I'm kind of like, oh, because it's what she's familiar with. So mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. Yeah, she's familiar with it. And that is not outside the realm of possibility for a convent to do, you know, to take in a young woman who's pregnant. Yeah, it made sense to me, too, when they showed that. Like, oh, okay, yeah. And it's a very contained place. You know, she can stay within there and get food and all that business. She doesn't have to venture out into the world very much if she doesn't want to. Right. Have you seen if anybody has translated what she was writing in her journal in Ukrainian? I have not. Oh, come on, Tumblr. Don't let us down. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't been on Tumblr a whole lot since the episode aired. It's only been, what, 12 hours, so... But get on it. Come on, guys. <laughs> Somebody's like, that's 10 hours too many. <laughs> Slackers. Somebody translated the, what was it? The Sumer Sumerian, the Assyrian that was in Wonder Woman. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> if somebody can do that, somebody can manage the Ukrainian and Orphan Black. I I'll be patient. I'm sure it'll happen eventually. I say, I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm I just know. saying, like, give it a few more hours. <sighs> I'd imagine that's a little bit okay. more complicated than researching Spidey Mice. <laughs> 
fair. Although I'm also imagining you being like, I I told you all about the spiny mice. Where is the translation <laughs> of the Ukrainian? <laughs> Stephanie's like, this this trade isn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my part, guys. Come on. As a follow-up to last episode, we had the scene with Rachel and Mr. Frontenac, who was being a meanie head in this episode, Mr. Frontenac, saying that Helena's unborn babies showed even greater regenerative capabilities than Kira, seemingly. I actually was kind of glad that they showed them having that information, because they were using the Hendrix last name. I'm like, it feels like this is not a good way to be sneaky. So follow up. They weren't sneaky. (laughs) Rachel found the medical records. So yeah, there we go. Sounds about right. We did get a tweet from, I'm going to say kitty cat. It's K V I T T Y C A T five, three saying, love the flashbacks in the Allison centric app. Bit worried about Kira and that mouse. No Delphine, and then sad faces. I agree with all those things. (laughs) I thought you would. And Judy sent us an email saying, Wasn't the doctor that Helena stabbed in the cheek slash tongue someone we knew? She looked familiar to me. I honestly don't know. I I looked her up on IMDb. She's not really familiar to me. I think she was... She's been in a number of Canadian shows... So it's possible that you recognize her from there, Judy. I don't. I don't really know. Um, I believe she was in a lot of episodes of Saving Hope. If that's a thing you watch, we also got an email from Kevin saying this episode surpassed my expectations. Allison is probably my favorite character in Ob, but there have been times when I felt that she's been used for comedy at the expense of her character. Her season three drug dealing storyline, for instance. But everything about Beneath Her Heart was just perfect. This feels like, by far, the deepest exploration of Allison as a character since season one. I know Stephanie isn't a fan of flashbacks, but I really love them in this episode. Seeing Allison when she had just found out she was a clone and was questioning everything about her life and seeing how far she's come since then just felt so good. And I legit teared up during the final scene where Allison and Donnie sang together. I would say this episode set the bar for season five's character-centric episodes pretty high. Thanks, Kevin. I I really agree that was a really solid episode and really about Allison. I don't know how I necessarily feel about the storylines being at the expense of her character. I don't know. Because she was, at least in my mind, especially since the first season, her storyline, she's pretty much set up as sort of the dark comedy character. So I don't know. Also, the first season ends with her basically allowing her friend to get killed. So I don't know that anything beyond that is necessarily worse. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, Kevin. But I understand your point, and and I think it's valid. And thanks for sending the email in. I know we talk a lot about voicemails and how much we love them because we do but we also love emails we will take your feedback in whatever form you want to send it in thank you so much to everybody who has sent in feedback of any kind and as if fred knew the question we were going to ask about the spiny mouse fred sent us this email not too long after we recorded our initial discussion fred said 
The story about losing a part of the spiny mouse's body skin, or especially tail skin, when caught by a predator is true. I kept these kind of mice as pets, but also regular house mice. I was very much interested in the genetics of the coat colors in the house mouse, so I even bred them. Because I know both species, I can assure you this was not a spiny mouse, but a regular house mouse. A logical decision by the makers of Orphan Black, because these spiny mice are very nervous and jumpy. Kara would not have been able to handle the mouse the way she did. So thank you for that, Fred. We also received an email from Colleen, who had some kind of random thoughts about episodes two and three. In regards to episodes two... Some of what she said is she said uh, Kasima wasn't daft enough to actually drink whatever old man P.T. McGee poured out for her in that wine glass, right? And then also asked if we thought Mud is the daughter of P.T. Westmoreland, which is an interesting concept. I think for sure we're going to learn more about Mud. I, I think for sure she's hiding something. And then she expressed appreciation for both Helena's bum, that joke, as well as Mrs. S. in teachery clothes saying, my little gay heart is fluttering, and I do understand, Colleen. Me too. Mine too. And then finally, in regards to episode two, she said, I assume it was actually just for violent patients or injury in general, but in my head, I assumed Code White was the dang it, someone got stabbed in the face with a needle again alarm. That is a very specific alarm, Colleen. I don't know how much use they would get out of it if it meant exactly that. And then in regards to episode three, Colleen expressed some sadness over the MK Memorial and then asks, Okay, Kira has creeped me out from day one, but is she planning to skin that mouse? Why does she even have a desk knife? That is a good question. Why does she have a pocket knife in her desk? I've never found Kira particularly creepy. I didn't, I did, like I said, I did not even assume something bad was going to happen to the mouse with that knife. So uh, here's hoping. Colleen asks, where's Tony? I mostly ask because I just realized I have a set of cousins, all of whom are siblings to each other, named Rachel, Allison, and Tony. And I know the spelling is a little off. It's spelled T-O-N-I for listeners. But Tony just came out as trans, and Rachel just acquired a kid, so the vague similarities are freaking me out. But also, I want Tony and Crystal back, especially if they're safe and sound. Me too. I would love to see both of those codes again. She continues, Buddy, pal, Allison, you have so many problems already without creating more for yourself. I'm pretty sure I say that to Allison once per season, if not per episode. Though I loved the flashback and seeing her genuine friendship with Ainsley. Also, wow, Ainsley is pretty when she's not being all backstabby or sink strangly. I don't think I had seen a genuine smile on her before, and now I have yet another crush on an orphan black character. Help. And then finally... <laughs> and then finally, Colleen says, ah, yes, the regularly scheduled kilt portion of our Orphan Black programming. It was pretty amazing seeing Donnie in a kilt. I don't know that he needed to go full on, you know, traditional and wear no underwear underneath. I, I feel like he could have worn some undies under the kilt to protect the kitties at the fair, and it would have been a good call. But he's Donnie. <laughs> Thank you very much for your delightful email, Colleen. And then finally, we received a very lovely voice message from Stephen, who previously has sent us short emails. Hi there, this is Stephen with the short emails. I haven't been able to watch any of the episodes on the release date so far this season, so my comments are a little bit late. Sorry. First, I want to take a moment to appreciate that in episode one, I'm pretty sure that was the first time I've ever seen a tampon in a television show where it wasn't being used as part of a joke. And I loved that. I really appreciate how 
casually honest this show has been about women's bodies and women's health. It treats it the way real people do, and I love that. Secondly, I was kind of disappointed with P.T. Westmoreland. Specifically, I was disappointed at how young he looks. It makes me super suspicious. Paul Newman didn't look that good at half Westmoreland's age, and that's just not right. Makes me wonder if maybe he's not really Westmoreland, or maybe he's a clone of Westmoreland. I don't know, but I am super suspicious of him. And I can't even talk about MK's death. I'm still too traumatized by that. Anyway, really looking forward to the next episode. Looking forward to hearing what you think about it. Love that the show is back. Love that the podcast is back. Bye. So thanks so much for that voice message, Stephen. Stephen with the short emails. I knew exactly who he was when he said that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, Stephen with the short emails. It's been a minute. Good to see you, buddy. It has. It has been a while, it feels like. But yeah, I I agree with you that uh, it's nice that the show is just kind of like, of course Sarah has a tampon in her pocket. And would use it to stop her leg from bleeding. Like, yes. It just treats stuff that is specific to women that is maybe not talked about all that much in general conversation. It just just treats it as so normal, and I, I love that. And I agree that uh, Westmoreland looking that young is suspicious. And I don't know that I have follow-up to that comment, because I, I think I've pretty thoroughly discussed my my suspicions of Westmoreland. <laughs> not to say you shouldn't be suspicious. I'm not saying don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> I-, <laughs> I I feel like now we should put a link to that video in our show notes, just in case people don't know what you're referencing. <laughs> However, doesn't that support his story that he's unique? He doesn't age as quickly as a typical person would, and therefore he is worth studying? Doesn't that augment this myth he's created around himself, the fact that he doesn't look old? Yes. I I remember once having a conversation with one of my friends. Specifically, we were watching, uh, I forget what the name of that Bob Dylan movie is, but basically... (laughs) If you say anything with enough confidence, people will just not question you. Mm-hmm. You can just you can spew a bunch of nonsense, and if you say it confidently enough and don't give people opportunities to question it, they won't. So I am also super suspicious. And yeah, M- MK's death is it's rough. I thought the memorial they did for her was was nice. It was. It was. I had a weird moment. This sounds really dumb. I had a weird moment where there's that sketch of MK as part of their sort of shrine. And apparently I've been on Tumblr too much because I was like, wow, that's some nice fan art. (laughs) I'm like, wait, wait, Felix. Felix is the source of that. Felix is an artist. It took me a second to was like, who would have drawn that? Oh, yeah, Felix. Felix, Felix. (laughs) Who drew that great fan art? (laughs) Now I kind of wonder if it was fan art, though, because the show... Oh, it couldn't have been, because... Oh, they filmed it already, Stephanie. Stupid. Well, but, but no, she was in the previous have, season. Could have yeah. drawn it after season four and been like, okay, it's great, here's, here's fan art, and then they put it in the episode. It's possible. Because from what, we've, what we hear from the, the show, 
both the showrunners and the cast is they love the fan art that people draw for Orphan Black. Oh, so. yeah. At San Diego Comic-Con, BBC America at their booth displays fan art on their giant screen, I guess, the whole time the con's going on. So it could have been, Chris, but it, it, I think it is kind of funny that we it both took us a second to remember, like, oh, yeah, Felix, artist, he probably drew it, at least in the context of the show. <laughs> right. I think here's my defense. This is going to be my defense. It's not Felix's usual style. It's true. He's usually painting and not quite as as realistic as that drawing was. Right. So I feel like I've seen a lot of fan art in this style. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought that their their memorial of her was very sweet, and it was very Allison that she made the little paper flower and laid it on the the laptop while she was you know watching the, the yeah. funeral via Skype. I figured we probably wouldn't get much follow up on MK's death in this immediate episode, uh, but here's I mean here's hoping they got to come back to it eventually. Yeah, I, I feel part of it is maybe that they want to let this. Well, first of all, let us grieve for a little while. Mm-hmm. And also, you've got to let the threat of Ferdinand linger. Yeah. Especially if they're going to... Now I'm wondering how that's going to end. Are they going to sick Helena on him? What's mm. going to happen? It feels like she would be the logical choice, but she is pregnant at the moment. So. No, I know, but I'm like, Helena's going to give birth and then like turn around and murder Ferdinand. Is Chris's unrealistic prediction for this episode? Well, we shall see. We shall see. I, what if Rachel was the one who put it into Ferdinand? Ew. Hmm. Huh. I don't know. Just a thought. Not a prediction. Just a thought. But thank you so much to Stephen for sending in that voice message. We'd love to hear your feedback on this episode, even if it's not Ukrainian translation. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> So please, you can share your thoughts with us about Beneath Her Heart or any thing about this season so far. And uh, you can do that in a few ways. You can send us an email, feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. You can also send us a voice message like Stephen did, record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us. Please do that. We love those. We do love those. You can also call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. We are on Twitter at TIE Podcast, and we are also on Facebook. Tatiana is Everyone is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. To find our other podcasts about Lost Girl and Killjoys and some other shows, please go to AskGenreTV.com. And in this episode, the elusive Ukrainian translation, as well as Stephanie's Spiny Mouse research, were played by Tatiana Maslany. The Bouncing Hand was also played by Tatiana Maslany. Because I don't know if you know this, Tatiana is everyone. (laughs) And scene. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) 